Kol hamisabel ayushalayim zochevroy besimchasa. Anyone who mourns over the destruction of Yushalayim merits to see its rebuilding. You know this is uh, especially true on a day like Tisha B'av, where that's what we spend our whole day doing. Uh, everyone further knows, as the pasuk says in Tehillim, Hashem tzilcha yadminach Hashem is like your shadow over your right hand. Being Akashpu follows whatever we do. So if today we spent the day mourning and yearning for the rebuilding of the temple, you know, Dajgacha you know, always mirrors mirrors and uh, responds to us in kind. So there's probably no greater rash, you know, no greater tumult in heaven than tonight and up to Chatzos tomorrow, where uh you know, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, uh, feels that the time has come to rebuild the temple because Amisol has been, in effect, demanding it and yearning for it. Uh, so, <laughs> what happens? Right, uh, simple. Aside from uh, perhaps needing more atonement, you know, I'm not a prophet, I don't know, but what I do know is, you know, what we just said before. Hashem tzilcha yadivinecha, Hashem is like your shadow, follows you like a shadow, everything is mida keneged mida, the way you are with him is the way he is with you. And uh, if, sorry to say, if we can forget about wanting a Beis HaMikdash tomorrow, when Chatzos hits, and, um, you know, comes time, you know, to, that we could... Uh, launder and shower and uh, turn on music if we really need it, and I'll explain that in a second. Right, and we totally forget about Yerushalayim. Mida Kenega Mida, Koshbo forgets about bringing the ghoul and rebuilding the temple. Because if that's the way we are, that's the way it's going to be with us. There, there's no two ways about it. So we have to uh, take steps you know, to make sure that even though... Uh, uh, Baruch doesn't want us to not bathe and not be eating meat. He wants us to lead normal lives, but he doesn't want us forgetting about the Beis HaMikdash ever, never forgetting about the pain that the Divine Presence is in. So we have to find a way how to move forward, even after we have done all that Chazal have imposed upon us, and we did it with love because we really want to feel the Tzara Shechina, and we really want to do anything possible to merit the rebuilding of the Beis HaMikdash, Right, but, uh, you know, uh, we're never supposed to forget about Yerushalayim. Never, ever. And never stop yearning, because the minute we stop yearning, Mida Kenega Mida, says they don't want it, they don't get it. They get what they ask for, they get what they yearn for. So we have to find ways uh, moving forward to, uh, as much as we'll go back to what we call, for lack of a better word, life as, uh, life as normal, I find a way to... Uh, with resuming uh, the regular halachas of year-round, uh, still not forget about Yerushalayim. So, <clears throat> and to start, you know, uh, there's just like we observed the halachas of the nine days and the three weeks. Uh, there's a simon in Shulchan Aruch that comes up right after uh, the halachas of Tisha B'av, and that's Simon Tov Kuf Samech. 
All right, uh, you know, that's, uh, I guess, if, if you uh, work, if you think numerically, uh, so that's, um, <coughs> uh, that's uh, Simon 560, Tav Kuf Samach. Simon Tav Kuf Samach, Simon 560 in Orachayim. Things that are usher year-round, Zechor Lechorben. And uh, I must say that there are certain elements that, uh, you know, perhaps we've gone a little bit lax in, and some of the laxity is already a few generations back. And uh, before we wax philosophical of how to go around the calendar of all the many events that we have, all the Jewish of never forgetting about Yerushalayim, uh, maybe we should just give a quick overview of the halachas that are there, and everyone should really, uh, before resuming normal life, uh, for lack of a better word, and not that Gullis is normal, uh, but before going back to the regular grind tomorrow at 1.01 p.m. Uh, tonight, and uh, during the morning hours of tomorrow, take upon themselves to clarify uh, what these halachas are, and to check themselves to a cheshben anefesh, and whether you are properly implementing these halachas, Right, and if you have any doubt, to consult your local Orthodox rabbi and make sure that before you uh, say goodbye to the nine days at Chatzos, you are, uh, you know, taking upon yourself uh, all the practices that Chazal have imposed upon us, Zechor L'Chorben. So, I'm I'm speaking orally, but I I gave you a reference. Right, so first of all, the... uh, the uh, first halacha over there in that simon is that in your own house you should leave an area directly facing the front door that's unfinished. And I would not ask you to destroy it, but it has to be unfinished. It has to be um, un, you know, unpainted. Not painted, you know, uh, it's, it, it shouldn't be finished. Uh, it should be an area of ama al ama, you know, uh, one ama by an ama, so. You know, the shear of an ama is anywhere between 18 and 22 inches. You ask your local Orthodox rabbi. So a cube of an ama by, uh, I meant a square, of an ama by ama have to be less unfinished. It should be uh, preferably, and most the halacha states, it should be uh, directly facing the front door, meaning when a person walks in, the front door, which is not just guests, but of course you also, every time you walk in your house, that's the first thing you'll see if you look dead ahead. Now, sometimes your house is not structured that way, and there might be, uh, in front of the front door, a long hallway that leads directly uh, into the kitchen or something, in which case, do ask your local Orthodox rabbi. Uh, I did see that some of the posts can bring that perhaps the second best option would be on top of the front door, on the inside, so uh, you see it every time when you leave your house or pass by the front door, but certainly on exiting your house, everyone, you and your guests will see it. But like I said, uh, I'm just making people aware of the issues. Make sure you take care of this. Um, it is true that uh, the, the Shulchan Archia says that if you bought the house from a guy and you left it the way you bought it, you don't have to do it. You don't have to deface a house that uh, you bought ready-made from a guy. All right, however, come on, guys, this rarely applies uh, because, for instance, let's say a house burnt down and you rebuilt it. So, of course, you have to do that amal ama. Or, you know, uh, I guess the postman don't mention this, but it's obvious that they meant this because in their days they didn't have money to remodel, right? Uh, 
this type of affluence to remodel every few years is uh, something that God recently did for the Jewish people. Right, uh, but if you've remodeled your house and you've altered it from the way you bought it from the guy, then that no longer is a hatter. Just like if you would have rebuilt it. Same thing if you remodel it. So once you remodel and repaint your house, even just repainting, you have to leave this area unpainted. All right, so once you've in any way came to beautify your house, change your house, remodel your house, repaint your house, so even if you bought it from a guy, since you are changing it, you're not leaving it exactly the way you got it, right? so you have to leave this amalama. Now, by the strict letter of the law, we're not supposed to build a very palatial home that looks like a palace. You take a look there in Shulchan Aruch. We're supposed to live in somewhat simplicity to remind us in, that we're in Golis. And like I said, very minimally, uh, you're supposed to leave this amal ama, you know, uh, the prescribed, original prescribed space is as soon as you walk in the front door, please, everyone, check your houses, see that this is done. Right? Uh, and again, uh, even if the amal ama is enough, one should not forget the spirit of the law, which is also mentioned in Shulchan Aruch, that we should not build such fanciful houses like palatial houses that look like palaces, you know, uh, while we're still in Golis. It should be pointed out that this halacha does not apply in a shul. Right, this is uh, how we're supposed to be in our, uh, in our personal space. Feel this discomfort and, and, and reminder, but the shul is God's space, and we have a chiyuv, an obligation to make a shul as glorious as we can, because it's a mikdash mat, so it has a little remnant and an embassy of the temple and an embassy of Avira there at Sisral, as you know, everyone knows famous Gemara and Brachas, that um, when uh, Rav Yochan heard that there are old people in Bavel, uh, so he was wondering uh, how they live to an old age. It says, Al ha'adama, right? Longevity is only supposed to be in Eretz Yisrael. When they told him that, you know, these people spend a lot of time in shul, come early shul and stay late in shul, oh, then he understood. Uh, the message being that the shul is like an embassy. It's a mikdash ma'ad. It's an embassy of the base It's an embassy of Eretz Yisrael. And, uh, and therefore, shul is a God space and we should glorify as much as It's our personal space that we should feel uh, discomfort in, um, knowing that God is not happy, you know, his shechina is not in its proper, proper home of, you know, the Beis HaMikdash in Eretz Yisrael. Interesting anecdote uh, just came to mind. You know, everyone knows that the, uh, you know, true to form, if we say that the Beis HaMikdash is a, like a, I mean, I meant to say the Beit HaKnesset, the shul and the Beis Medrash is like an embassy of Eretz Yisrael. So with that, you could understand what Chazal tells us, that the, um, that in the future, all the Batei Knesias, Batei Medrashas of, of Chutzarts will be uprooted and come to Eretz Yisrael. As it were, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is withdrawing all the diplomats and withdrawing all the embassies and bringing them home to their, their real legal home. Uh, so I remember reading in a, uh, in a book called Once Upon a Shteto by Chaim Shapiro Lavashah, who was a wonderful scribe and did wonderful work in preserving stories from uh, old war Europe, you know, pre-war Europe, uh, the world that we lost in the Holocaust, and we're going to come back to that in a minute. Um, so he says, interesting antidote, that uh, a Magi once came to a town, and the people, obviously for lack of funds, did not have you know, money to put, install a real floor in the shuls. It was a dirt floor. So they had a structure you know, with an iron kodesh, and it was a dirt floor, and the Gaba used to put down fresh sand 
L'Kavit Shabbos. Maybe fresh sand to walk on uh, every uh, Erev Shabbos, L'Kavit Shabbos. Uh, so the Maggid said, I feel so sorry for you people. You're going to be stuck in Golos. They asked him why. He said, I'll tell you why. Because it says, you know, Akashu is going to, you know, uh, uproot all the Bate Kinesias, Bate Midrashos in Chutzar to bring them to Israel. How do you think Jews are going to come to Israel? It won't cost money. It'll be for free. And, and it'll be instant and for free. You just pack into the shul and pack into the base marriage and you, you grab a ride, you know, as the shul and base marriage flies to Israel. But you guys, you, there's no floor in your shul, so your shul will be uprooted and you'll be left behind because there's no floor connected to it. All right? And they got the message and uh, the next week they installed the floor. <laughs> anyway, um, so there's a of making sure in your house there's, you have that amal, ama. And in general, really, uh, don't go too overboard when you remodel. In general, you know, generally speaking, that's the spirit of law and the letter of the law, really. You must leave that ama alama. All right, again, I am not poskening any final halachs. I'll make you aware of the issues that are in that simon in Shulchan Aruch 560, Tavkov Samech. Everyone can look it up themselves, ask their rav about it. Main thing is, do it. Because uh, this is what helps us uh, be real with Chorban Abayas year-round. I mean, aside from, you know, doing the minag of, uh, of tzaddikim and doing tikkun chatzos, like a Kodesh Baruch who cries over the Chorben, you know, once, uh, three times a night, or four times a night, depending on how many mishmaros there are. So also the rush brings uh, a person, every Yerushimayim should get up at night and also cry over the Chorben. Right, but that's, you know, that's a high level, especially if you need to uh, go to sleep early to wake up early for work. But... You know, this is in Shulchan Aruch, you know, about uh, leaving this Amal, Amma unfinished area in your house. It further says in Shulchan Aruch, and this the Poskim have uh, pointed out that has, uh, you know, this already in Europe they stopped doing, and the Poskim don't understand why. And that is even by a regular meal. We're not talking about a Surah Smith, we're not talking on Shabbos, as I understand it. Uh, you could ask your local rabbi, as I understand it's talking about when you have a, you have a festive gathering during the week, you know. Big, uh, big dinner, you invite your neighbors, a block party. Just as an example, there should be something empty on the table. Zechel Chorben. So it's not graphically described, and the postkin themselves uh, have a little bit of a hard time understanding what the Shulchan Aruch is describing, you know, but whether it's, there's a place setting, like, there, like you have to leave like a vacuum, like uh, there should have been a place setting here, and there isn't. Or on the serving dish, Massive serving dish, you know, what I call these things, the lazy Susan, what I call it. You know, whenever you have this big, big serving dish, like there's a bold spot on the dish where there's no food, as if there could have been food there and there isn't, right? Uh, just remember, something lacking, that's even by, you know, a, a regular dinner. We're not talking about grabbing a snack on the run. We're talking about when people sit down for an organized meal, there should be something missing. Now, the postcom do point out uh, that for reasons that... Uh, that they, they don't understand. For some reason, people haven't been mock-pit on that. All right? Uh, you know, and uh, my guess is that, you know, people, <laughs> till, uh, till the recent affluence that we've had, that we've been zocha to after the Holocaust, right? Uh, we know that our ancestors, you know, it was terrible poverty, and I think you no such thing as leaving food off, and I think people are pretty generally uh, bummed out about being in Gullis in general, uh, having the hard lives that they had in the shtetl, as anyone who reads up our history or knows, so they didn't uh, make an issue of this, right? But hey, 
it would be a wonderful Kiddush Hashem if someone would do that, you know, on a serving dish, when you're serving a communal dinner, it's a festive atmosphere anyway, that we should not get carried away with when we're in Golis, you know, bold spot on the big, big serving plate. You know, they're saying that, you know, make it clear that there should have been, there could have been more food there and there isn't. Not that anyone has to go hungry. No one has to go hungry. It's just a sign that there could have been something in this spot and there isn't. Why? Zechel Chorben. Uh, right, but let's go to uh, what uh, is most definitely uh, uh, written in Shulchan Aruch and our ancestors, from what I see in the postgim, were makpid on it. Right, so this halacha we just said about the emptiness on the dinner table. Right, uh, they were not makpid on. Might be a good idea for us to bring it back. Uh, like I said, those guys in pre-war Europe never forgot that they were in Gullis, even before the Holocaust, because life was as hard as we know it. All right, so we can understand why uh, maybe the postcom didn't force them to, uh, to do that idea of leaving bald spots on the plate or by the place setting. All right, uh, that's not our situation, so it's something to look into. Uh, but here's something that, uh, you know... Uh, it seems from the Mishra Brewer and the Orch Shulchan, our ancestors held to, adhere to, you know, uh, you know, pre-war Europe, and uh, it's sort of uh, slipped in our day and age, right? And that's the issue of music, right? You know, according to the Mechaber, we're not supposed to, you know, uh, not supposed to have any music for musical instruments, period. And even vocal, a cappella, right? is also if you're drinking wine at the time. Uh, there is a machlokas within that opinion, uh, whether the, uh, uh, that means uh, a suda and you're serving wine, or dafka in a bar, where it's, it's only wine, because then it's definitely too frivolous. You know, to be honest, you know, there are those that say that, uh, that sheer bepeh, you know, verbal music, uh, you know, I guess you call it a cappella, right? There are those that say that's all that which the Mahabra says it's uh, that even that is us or over wine means if only wine if it's a you know it's a drinking party like a bar but you should know that this is not clear this is a machlokas and there's nothing to ask your rabbi and that's the shita machaber shita machaber that music music with musical instruments is always usur zecher lechorben right we only do a cappella and even that not on wine right the rama you know bringing from uh, the the shita of the Ashkenazim. Says, well, no, it's, you know, you can listen to musical instruments, but not always. You can't, you know, you can't, A, wake up to it, you can't go to sleep to it, which the way, like, uh, the people in, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, the aristocracy does, you know, the, the monarchy does, you know, you know, hey, we're not supposed to act like kings when we're in Gaulus, so yeah, definitely to wake up to music or to go to sleep to music, definitely also. But it would seem that any time that's, like, constant, like, not everyone's just flicking it on to calm down. But every time, it's constant, right? It, it, it's usher, right? It's usher. It's even according to us, right? Uh, just, it's just compounded usher over wine, right? Uh, you know, let's put it this way. Musical instruments over wine would be a problem. Musical, you know, so musical instruments, even if we permit it, by a cry, we say, on a non-consistent basis, not, not in a set pattern and not constantly, Right? Uh, but it would be seemingly a problem over wine, even if it's just once in. Uh, <clears throat> it should be pointed out that Moshe Feinstein used to pasquin like the Mahabra on this. Moshe Feinstein 
took a hard line and uh, and and did not rely on the Ramah and Paskin like the Machaber and um, and uh, you know you should really make a chesh benefish if you rely on Ramosha Feinstein for your dairy products you know you might think about whether you would be morally bound to maybe adopt his view on music not that I'm saying that the two are integrally linked you know there's no the sugyas are not linked but you know you rely on Ramosha rely on Ramosha right, so maybe you should think about his chumras also but even if not Right, going with the Ramah, you know, music, you know, musical, in, music from musical instruments, not freely mutter. You know, it's, uh, first of all, <laughs> to uh, set the record straight, and you'll see it in the Mishnah Brewer right there, right? Secular music, you know, which has, um, I, I, secular, I mean like Shirei Agovin, love songs that have type of, uh, you know, um, dirty content, and not even dirty, just romantic content. Right uh, or any other negative messages is hands down always usher, you know, uh, not just zechor lechorben, but of course because of the negative content. So that that is always prohibited. It's a real problem. It's a real problem, right? That that's how even if you do it like once in, you know, you really if you really should seek music without words, all right. Uh, but even you know uh, what we call Jewish music, which has uh, uh, there's a, been a real perversion of uh, of uh, what's mutter, and this Jewish music industry, as we're about to explain, is more usher than mutter, right? Uh, you know, I'm someone who has to say it, right? The uh, but even let's call what we call Jewish music, right? So that Jewish music also, right? Also has to be, you know, like we say, not going to sleep to it, not waking up to it, right? Uh, and well, what makes something Jewish music, my dear friends, is simply and simply the fact that it doesn't have that dirty content. The concept Jewish music per se, per se, doesn't exist, right? Ech nashir shir Hashem ad masnech can we sing the song of Hashem when we're on a foreign land? The real authentic Jewish music went up in flames together with the Chorban. We don't even know what the Shira and the bass major sounded like, and we're not supposed to have the fake Shira, which is not, not even a, a muscle for the Shira that there was, Shira Salvim. We're not supposed to deprive ourselves of the fake substitute in order to remember that the real Shira, the real Shira, that Yibana Beis Amikdash, right, Ir Tzionta Vishom Nashir Shir Chadash, that the real Shira is missing from Earth. All right, so, you know, as Maroshiva, Yaakov Arm, Zechat Zakosh, would say, there's no such thing as Jewish music. Efshir Shiram Alas. You're saying the last part, you know, to be uh, you know, sarcastic, the way I knew him. Efshir Shiram Alas. No such thing as Jewish music. We don't have our authentic sound, right? Uh, and of course, you know where our artists get their material from, you know, or what it's based on, or what they're imitating. Come on. Right? Uh, the, um, right? Uh, so even what we would call Jewish music, which is at least uh, doesn't have the, you know, the dirty content, that makes uh, secular music with lyrics, I stress with lyrics, uh, categorically usher, right? Uh, the lyrics is what makes it usher, right? So we don't have those dirty lyrics, Baruch Hashem. But you should know that, you know, the, the fact that there's Hebrew words, that's, you know, you should know. If you just read, you know, uh, this Simon Shokrach with the Mishnah Brewer, it doesn't make that simple, right? You know, it actually, it's, it's, it's a complex issue, 
right? There, uh, the Mechaber says that, yes, we could sing Shiros Vitishbochos, like Shabbos Miros is not a problem. Not just because there's no avilas on Shabbos, but we are praising HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And, at, and, and indeed, Ramosha Feinstein, who takes a hard line, talks about that in a Sudas Mitzvah. There could be music, right? Uh, but but, uh, but the, the heter is not just because it's, you know, uh, we don't want to be noeg avails by sus mitzvah, but it's shiros v'sishbachos. Gr- genuine praise to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But that's, you know, what the music has to be structured as. Genuine praise to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now, making stam, putting a pasuk to music, believe it or not, is actually a negative thing. Right, and uh, the Mishnah brings uh, you know, Chazal that our Kaddish Baruch Hu gets angry that we may we convert his Torah, which is you know is you know a very serious intellectual discipline that's higher than all science. We convert it into songs. You know, David Melch got punished for saying Zmiros Right, you should know it, it is a very ser- it, there. It is this Jewish music thing is you know it, it's you know. You know, ask your local rabbi, don't rely on Yochanan Beckhofer. It's a big lie. It's a big lie. And putting a Pusuk to a music actually denigrates the Pusuk. It's Taira. You know, it's not something to, uh, you know, to, to sing. And so if you use it lightheadedly, right? And this was even talking seriously. What was Mutter Singh were special, the Piyutim, that were composed, special, Composed special for Shiros Vesish Bachos, that those piyutim, those poems that, you know, the Kadmonim composed, you know, to praise HaKadosh Baruch Hu, right? So, of course, they were meant to be sung, you know, like L'Chadodi, for example. It was meant to be sung, right? Uh, obviously, you know, uh, and, 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 and it's, it's a very serious issue that, you know, we should not, uh, it, is, it is wrong. It's not right. It's wrong to put Sukkim to music. It's wrong. You know, it, it's wrong. It's wrong to put Mamre Chazal to music, you know, or when I say wrong, you know, I'm, I'm telling you the Gemara. If these composers have a heter, let them come forward with it, what their basis is. But one thing is for sure, if there is a heter, it's because it somehow falls into the purview of, purview of Shiros Vesish Bochos. And that means if you make a Pasuk and you sing in one of these lightheaded ditties, you know, with the, the way the mindless artists are doing, with breakdancers, as we see these videos, that, you know, it's better the Goyesha stuff without lyrics. Without lyrics, I stress. What's wrong about Goyesha music, hands down, is the lyrics. We're better off with their music, you know, at least that we know what it is. And we don't, we don't con ourselves into thinking that's anything holy, right? Right? Uh, we're better off with their stuff, you know, like we said, you know, not going to, not waking up to it, not going to sleep to it, and, you know, and uh, having it by a cry, Right, you know, every once in a while, as if you need, like you're depressed, you need it to pick you up or whatever, you know, uh, it's a little bit of company, sudas mitzvah, you know, lighten the atmosphere, right? But you know, the uh, the idea of using psukim for our entertainment is abhorrent, you know. It, it is, uh, you know, and and uh, even if there are heterim, you know, what I said is mafurshin chazal. So therefore, even if there are heterim, it definitely goes against the spirit of what chazal wanted. And the Magen Avram says, you know, and Mishnah Bru brings it, that you know, by Shabbos, you know, don't, don't sing psukim. Just do the zmiras that, that were established. You know, don't sing psukim. He says, by some Sudas mitzvah, they had the minach to uh, sing Kaddish. Don't sing Kaddish. Right? Right? Uh, you know, it's a beautiful... It's for tefillah. It's for tefillah. And, and that's tefillah. Divrei Torah, even more than that. You don't make songs out of Divrei Torah. 
So now by us, this has gone totally off the handle, right? You know, everyone thinks if it's Jewish music, it's mutter. You know, and, and they listen to it 24-7. And not only that, it, it's not sheer struggle. It's lightheaded. It's frivolous. It's become terribly frivolous. The videos, for sure. But even the music and the way it's done, and, and anyone with any sensitivity to the pasuk, or and, and has somewhat of musical understands that the tune and the words have nothing to do with each other. It really is something that needs to be phased out. And uh, again, you speak to your local Orthodox rabbi, I'm not your local Orthodox rabbi, and, and discuss it with him. Say you want to do what's right. You're not, you know, and you won't quote him, you won't get him in trouble with the people in the music industry. You just want to know what the emiss is. Right? Tell me how I should conduct my life. I'm having company. What should I do as far as music? Right? Uh, now, uh, another halacha that says over there, you know, we, you know, we're going to jump you know, to the end of the simon, right? and, and that is that uh, you know, a person should not be frivolous at all. It just, in the in course of your lifetime, you should not ever lose it totally in laughter. Because, right, you know, that's bad, you know, as opposed to say, it's even bad, you know, if there would be a base of Mikdash on earth, because when you're totally frivolous, you forget about HaKadosh Baruch Hu altogether. You know, if there is a base of Mikdash on earth, certainly so that we're never supposed to lose, not, never forget about God, <laughs> but we're not even allowed to forget about the Horban ever. So, you know, so I'm just mentioning that in connection with uh, Jewish music, as it were, Jewish in, uh, you know, double abbreviation marks, you know, uh, really, it's, 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 it's wrong. It's wrong. It's somewhat about time someone got up and said something. These concerts are bad. It's wrong. It's wrong. It brings Kalos Rosh. It's a chil of the Psukim. It, it, it is against the halachas of Zecher Lechorben, right? And, and this has to be critically analyzed. And I think people, I, I, think, I, I think the Rabbanim just don't want to start up with the people. And they take a passive role of Ein Limchos, Mutav Shu Shogun Vayum But if you people out there are, have Yira Shemaim in your heart, you go to your local Orthodox rabbi and say, Rav, tell me the right way to do it. And if you're influential in your Kehillah, so as a representative of the Kehillah, right, Rav, tell us as a Kehillah how we should be doing it from now on. Okay, but you know that there are halachas, you know, um, you know uh, also by a chasana. You know, we, we've mentioned our other Shiurim. Right, that uh, that uh, it's not uh, not uh, by coincidence. Right, that the um, the agaritas uh, of Chorban Abayis are in Gittin, divorce. Gols is like divorce, and that's why in the positive, you know, we say when you gladden the heart of a chassan and kala, it's as if you rebuilt one of the ruins of Yerushalayim, and that's why also one of the Sherbach is so sasis, v'sagara, the kibbutz baneo, sochas imorat Hashem, samech tzion bivaneha. Right? You know, after we want to remember to rejoice in Yerushalayim, so chasna on the one hand is the closest thing we have, the Jewish home, shechina shruya binem, which, you know, Oh, it has to be said. Straight man, straight woman. Okay? It's the only type of Jewish marriage. Okay? <laughs> this has to be said in today's political climate. That's where the Shekhinah is there. Okay? The, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, so of course, you know, as we're building our mini temple, and uh, we're rejoicing because the, you know, we say in the Yossi Salayach Elokayach Kim Al by the future. When Vayul Shimsha Shosayach Rachukom Valayach Right, when HaKadosh Baruch Hu will get us out of Golis and, and punish all of our oppressors, then, and like, or like the, like the Navi that, you know, Odi Shama Ba'are Yehuda Abchutzas Yerushalayim Kol Sasma Kol Simcha. So it's, 
appropriate at that time to remember the real base of Midrash. This is something that's reminiscent of that Simcha and the closest remnant that we have of that Kedusha, the Kedusha that there is between a holy bond of man and woman, you know, Kedas Moshe v'Yisrael. Right? So there are halachas, you know, Zechel l'chorben, you know, that uh, the chassan, you know, uh, should put ash on his head. I don't know if in America, they're mock, but I know when I got married in Eretzel, they did put ash on my head. And of course, there's breaking the glass, but you have to remember the spirit of the law. You know, the Gemara says that one of the Amoraim saw that by the chassan that he made, that the, the people were just too happy, too happy. So he took an expensive clea and he broke it. You have to remember, they the spirit of the law. Right, that uh, that the, the simcha should not be that you totally forget about Yushayim, even at a chasana, which is the holiest event that we have in this day and age. Right, uh, even at a chasana, you should not forget about Yushayim, and and as much as that there's simcha, you know, imla ales Yushayim. Also, I have to mention Yushayim even on Roshim Chasi at the height of my happiness. Right, we have to uh, not lose sight of that. You know, the weddings and the music by the weddings, going back to Jewish music, right? It's just, it's just over the top. And it, the atmosphere is totally frivolous at one point. And really, it has to be kept into check. And not just, not just Alts, you know, Zechel, Horbin. It really is, you know, you know, uh, you know, a wedding is supposed to be a genuine, joyous, simcha shel mitzvah, where a person is feeling the Kedusha, as the Chassan was made the Kala Asura Kuliyama Kehegdish, and Shechina Shruya Beneyam, and the frivolous atmosphere over there is just about the opposite. You know, I think a person's Shmira uh, Seinayim, and uh, well, overall, you know, overall uh, sense of Ruchnius purity could definitely be, you know, somewhat blemished and tarnished by going to a grandiose wedding as opposed to walking out there with a sense of chizuk, you know, with uh, another Jewish house, holy Jewish house being established. Something for the people to think about. <clears throat> okay, you know, amongst Allah said, there are said over there that uh, the, what the Kala wears, you can't wear a crown, not a real crown. It, it's okay if it's made out of material, but uh, solid gold, solid silver. Okay, so the post can talk about what if you put some silver on a cloth and cover the crown. Take a look over there. But, and, uh, and, uh, you should, and, and the chassan certainly does not wear a crown. Uh, Borsalino is not a crown. <laughs> all right, the, uh, all right, but all I'm telling you is, please, look up that simon in Shulchanach. You know, uh, it's even more on Tisha because I, I, I would think, because it's Nogea Chorben Abayas. Certainly tonight, certainly tomorrow, before the atmosphere fades and while you're still serious about remembering Yerushalayim, please revisit that one simon in Shulchanach. It's not long. It's not hard to understand. And, and call your local Orthodox rabbi and, and be macabre on yourselves. And that for sure will help right? to be mindful and not just intellectually mindful, but perhaps be, remain emotionally connected to the Tzara Shechina you know, uh, empathize with our Kodesh Baruch Hu that there's no base Amikdash on earth. I really want to say something else. I was only talking about empathizing with the Sarah Shechina, but I want to tell everyone here something that, um, you know, I, uh, I went online, you know, because Osir learned Torah today, and I looked for footage of the Holocaust, which there is. There is really, uh, there is footage, black and white, you know, filmed by the Allied troops. Most, most, most concrete evidence, concrete evidence, Hashem Yerachim, right? 
and there are actually films that are at the beginning of the film they're actually endorsed the, the, the producers explain who they were in the military etc etc and uh, you know give identifying marks of the authenticity of you know amazing you know and, and, and it is frightening you know it, uh, it is the worst Sora Amiso ever went through um, as a people All right, so, but I want to tell you something for every uh, for every hit that I got about genuine Holocaust footage, right? For every one there was either Holocaust denial. So for every Holocaust site with authentic footage, there's a site that says, "Ali, it's a Jewish hoax," right? They call it the Hala hoax, Hashem Yirachem. Or alternatively, you know, Holocaust. You know what comes up? Yeah, the Holocaust the Israelis are doing to the Palestinians. Uh, you know, uh, what they're doing to the Palestinians is much worse than what the Nazis did to the Jews, if the Nazis did anything to the Jews, according to the people of that side. And, and they tell terrible lies, right? So I want to tell you something, my friends, right? You know, uh, I was prepared just to give a sheer about remembering, not forget about Yushalayim, to empathize with the Shechina, to empathize with the Tsar of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, right? And, and, uh, and, and just purely for the purpose of being Zochet to Binyan Yerushalayim, because if we really, really wanted, Akash Baruch would give it to us, really. It's only because we forget about it. Hashem Tzilcha Yad Yiminecha. Right? Uh, there's, like I said, there's no greater awakening in heaven to bring back the base Midrash more than tonight, after Amisol went through Tisha B'Av. Right? And the problem is that that awakening subsides. When we subside, it subsides with us. Right? The, the Hashgacha follows our mood, Mida Kenega Mida. So I was just going to talk about Sarah Shechina. But I'm telling you, my friends, we are in danger. We really should never forget about Horban Abayas and never forget the Rangals just for our own safety. Anti-Semitism is alive and well. It's alive and well and kicking. And the Holocaust did not make the world feel so guilty that they'd never do it again. Oh, no, no. They've gotten over that. They've even moved into denial. And, uh, you know, and, and the new anti-Semitism is anti-Zionism. All right, so the state of Israel is in grave danger. It's being viewed as an apartheid, Nazi, totalitarian state that's doing genocide to the Palestinian people. We're not safe, not here and not in Israel. Right? And, uh, and we really have to never lose sight that we're in exile, in, in the midst of hostile forces, and, and we've got to do what we can to get out of here. And the only real solution is the Geula. You know, the only real solution is the Geula. All right, and that's it. We should not lose sight of the fact that we are in real danger and be constantly have, you know, the Golos Hashkin on our minds just for, just for our own safety. That, of course, we should get us out of here because that is the only real solution to the Jewish problem. Right. Uh, you know the liberals won't protect us, <laughs> you know, because we believe in Leviticus and all the things that it says there. All right, so they'll be the first to take us out to the slaughter. <laughs> anyway, because we're intolerant, you know that. All right, but now I want to uh, address the issue that I was originally planning to address, uh, and that is uh, that I'm sure everyone will say that, aside from the Shabbos Nachamu extravaganza, that really, I mean, guys, tone it down. Let's tone it down. Don't let it make us forget and undo all the work that we did. Nachama means consolation. Is and you know we hope for the gula. You know, I, I just want to give you a, a muscle for this. You know, if a person is, God forbid, terribly, terribly ill, or terminally ill, the, uh, of course you want him to be happy and hopeful. 
because experience has shown, and I've seen this also, unfortunately, in uh, you know, others, bad attitude and hopelessness, <laughs> you know, these people don't last long. You know, the ones that make it through the therapies, and, and even if they're not zochet to total remission, which sometimes they are, right, but they're definitely zochet to prolong their lives and have greater quality of lives than ones with hope and happiness. So, of course, Judaism teaches hope and happiness, but that's, it's the hope, you know, always, always, yes, 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 simcha, mitzvah gal yos simcha tamid, yes, agreed, agreed, All right, but it's the simple, we have to realize, you know, you know, uh, like you don't want the person who's terminally ill to now not go to therapy because it cramps his style, not go to his treatments, you know, because, hey, you know, I, it doesn't make me happy, all these treatments, I don't, I don't, you know, it doesn't increase my happiness, they're very uncomfortable, right, as we know, Hashem Yirachem, right, the happiness should not be that you forget about your condition. The happiness and the hopefulness is with being fully aware of your condition and that combination of being aware of your condition and doing what's medically possible combined with emuna and simcha and tikva, you know, that's the winning combination. And that's the same thing Amisol. Amisol is terribly ill by being in the goals. So if yes, we're not supposed to be depressed and that's what gave Amisol the koch to always rebuild, constantly rebuild, is that, you know, we don't waste time licking our wounds unnecessarily. We get up and we get going and we put on a brave face. We even put on a smiling face. Agreed, agreed. But it's as long as we don't lose sight of the illness of Golas. And that's how, you know, the Simcha, together with what we do, all these halachas that we spoke about, and never forgetting about Yushalayim, that's the winning combination that caused Am Yisrael to hang tight and constantly get up again and rebuild and constantly not lose hope for the future, that Mashiach will come, but not a type of simcha which is frivolous and forgetting. So please, nachamu is that to believe in the consolation, but not to forget that there is, we need consolation. Right? Uh, so, but, you know, so aside from your know, Shabbos nachamu extravaganza that, uh, that really kills everything that we uh, built up during the three weeks, right? Um, Aside from that, you know, I'm sure everyone will tell me that the Jewish calendar is just designed to make us forget about, you know, Chorban uh, Abayas, right? Because we got Elo and Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot's coming, you know, right around the corner. You know, El Tishrei, right? How about that? Okay, that is a total misunderstanding, and we need to reframe, right, uh, you know, the, uh, the nature of those, you know, Holy, holy days that are coming our way, that they're actually part of the continuum from the three weeks. And I'll explain how. Okay? The, um, aside from the fact that you know, you know, one of the precursors for the three weeks was the Chet Ego. Right? That's what laid down the precedent for, that's what caused Shiva Sarbatamas to happen. It's one of the five things that, you know, one of the things that made Shiva Sarbatamas happen Koshvir Saluchas was in response to that, you know, uh, you know, so it's one of the things, and, and Yom Kippur is when Akash finally, finally forgave us for that sin and gave us the Torah, you know, after Moshe gave us a new set of luchos, as it were, reestablished his relationship with us and commanded us to build the Mishkan, right, so it, it is totally untrue, but let me explain this in greater detail, and then we'll get to Sukkot, and then we'll go to Hanukkah and Purim, and we'll show how Really, the whole cycle of the whole Jewish calendar—it has to be reframed. That everything is actually 
in continuation of the three weeks, not to make you forget about them, right, until we get out of the skulls, right, is which was, that's what Pesach represents, as we'll explain. Right, the, uh, you know, uh, with, with the, the structure of the Beis HaMikdash, right, uh, right, uh, Hakarshko lost his kingdom on earth. So even though we believe that deep down Hakarshko is king, right? Not deep down, he is, he is, he is the king, but no one can see it. And and, uh, and the future is called Vaya Hashem Lamelech al Kol Aretz. Remember Hashem Echad Hashem will be king on the whole world. On that day, Hashem will be one, his name will be one, right? So, you know, but, uh, you know, the world doesn't see it, and that's what's wrong with the world. That's what's terrible about Golos. That's what Mashiach who's uh, our king, you know, who represents God's kingdom, that's what he, uh, that's what he uh, restores to the visible level, right? But we, we got to be real with the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is our king even now, so to speak, so to speak, to build God's kingdom in exile, right? Lahavdil, you know, uh, when, uh, you, know, you know, the Germans, Yomach overran Poland, all right, so they overran Poland. It was the Polish government in exile, that we're calling the shots and making decisions. I mean, unfortunately, you know, Golso Yisrael, Golso Shechino Yimahem, right? The Divine Presence, which is the Midah of Malchus, it's in exile with us. There's God's government in exile. And that's what Rosh Hashanah is. Rosh Hashanah is to rebuild God's kingdom. We are coronate HaKadosh Baruch Hu and say He is God and He's the one who has the right to decide who lives and who dies. He's the king. Right? And now, interesting thing, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, these two holidays, which came as a direct response to Chet Ego, right? they're not from the Shlosha Regalim. Now, Rosh Hashanah, you know, okay, aside from the Karben Musaf, you know, you know uh, Shofar was everywhere. But Yom Kippur, man, Yom Kippur, all the action was at the base of Mikdash, going Lifnai Lifnim with the Ketores, and, uh, and the Sira Mishlech was sent out from there. Right? That's where the action was. And these two Chagim are still, they're not from the Shlosha Regalim, and that's why they're not even mentioned in the Parsha of the Regalim, which is Parsha's Mishpatim, right? Parsha's uh, Kisisa, and uh, Parsha's Re'eh, anywhere where it just talks about the Regalim per se, Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur aren't mentioned, only mentioned where all the Yom Tovim are discussed, like in Parsha's Emor and Parsha's Pinchas, aside from, of course, Achremos, where the Avod of Yom Kippur is spelled out in detail. Uh, they're not from the Shlosha Regolim, and that teaches you something. That these holidays specifically, you know, even though we had them when there was a Beis HaMikdash, but they're particularly parallel to our situation when we don't have a Beis HaMikdash. Particularly parallel to our situation when we don't have a Beis HaMikdash. Right? When the evil is running rampant in the world. Right? We have to coronate God anyway. And not Dafka in the Beis HaMikdash. Anywhere. Even Begvulim. Right? We blow the shofar. He's king everywhere, whether you could see or not. His kingdom is revealed when a base of matrix is standing. But he is the king. No two ways about it. So we have, and so Rosh Hashanah, you have to understand, it's the avod of coronating God, particularly, even though we had Rosh Hashanah when there was a base of matrix, but this Chag is specially designed as a, as a countermeasure to Golos, that we're coronating God even in exile. Even in exile. And this Chag is not one of the regolim. So even though there was a special Korban Musaf in the Beis HaMikdash, right, but nonetheless, the, 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 the power of this Chag is not, you know, in the Beis HaMikdash. What we're missing is the Korban Musaf. But it's not one of the Regalim, because it's about coronating God everywhere, even now, everywhere, even in Chutzlarts, even in Golis. 
and we're building God's, you know, kingdom in exile. So you know, Rosh Chodesh is when Moshe Benu was called up to Har Sinai again in preparation of getting the second tablets. Right? That's, uh, you know, that's what uh, you know Elul is about. Right? So it's it's was rebuilding. You know, it's a step in rebuilding, preparing to rebuild. The rebuilding starts in Rosh Hashanah with making, you know, that, you know, God lost his kingdom with Chorban Bais. We're reincarnating him and we're giving him a kingdom even within the exile. And Rosh Hashanah specifically designed that's to declare God is king even within the exile. That's not why, that's why, even though it's a Chag with a Korban Muslim, it's not one of the Gimel Regalim. It's Rosh Hashanah's everywhere. God is king everywhere, even in Golos. Even in Golos. I always say that's why the Jews were singing that they believe in Biyas Mashiach on the way to the gas chambers. Why didn't they sing that they were believing in Tchias HaMesim? Very simple. Right? These Jews were protesting. Hitler, you think you're king? No, no, no. God's king. And he's going to show you and the whole world speedily with Mashiach. Right? And that's what Rosh Hashanah is about. That you know, we had just gone through, you know, the, uh, you, know, you know, went through the Shiva Dinechamta, and now it's time to rebuild to whatever extent we can, and we are carrying God's kingdom in exile. God is, even though we're in exile, God is still really, really, really the king, and the only one who has the right to decide, you know, life and death. And, and Rosh Hashanah really builds. It really builds Malchus. It does. You know, even though it, we don't see the base wish on the earth, but that's first, that's the time to daven for it. You know, that's what I Mulay Chakola Elam Kulo Bichvodecha Vinaseo Kolarts Bikarecha Vieda Kopo Kiata Palto. We have in Koyter Kiata Itar. Everyone should know. What, so the whole vote of Rosh Hashanah is, is about being Megala Machu Shemaim, and everyone should know it. So, how can you say it? Rosh Hashanah, you know, makes you forget about Tishabab. It doesn't make you, it is actually rebuilding to whatever extent we can within the exile with the fervent hope, right? That Akkadish Baruch will reveal his Malchus Le'ene Kol Chai, right? That everyone should see it. So we're rebuilding the kingdom in exile, right? Uh, that Rosh was always meant, for, always had that programming within it. That's why it wasn't one of the Ragom, because it's saying even if that applies fully, fully, and unmitigated, even in the time of Golos, because God is still king wherever he is. And we have to declare that. Right, so so Rosh Hashanah is is uh, after we God lost his Malchus on Tishabov, you know, we are reinstating him as we're called the Malchus in exile, building up the Shechina in exile, and building up the Midah of Malchus as it is even Begolus, right, and which is what renews the new year. It comes from the Midah of Malchus that we're raising up somewhat to whatever extent we can. That's what gives the new life and the new year, right. So it's uh, setting up God's kingdom in exile, right. So then, with this we can understand, when you realize that you have to look at, you know, uh, at Rosh Hashanah more globally, and not just from your uh, individual, you know, uh, for lack of a better word, egocentric perspective. Right? When you could look at uh, Rosh Hashanah more globally, and it's, it's a historical context, the context of how it's, you know, it, it comes right after the three weeks, you know, and of course with Elo in between to prepare for Rosh Hashanah, Right? But, you know, that it's about building God's kingdom in exile. That called that with Rosh Hashanah, if we pulled off right, we, we've, 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 set God, we've set up God's embassy. You know, he still has to go back to uh, his home in Zion. But we set up his embassy, right? Uh, we set up his government in exile, and, and it's a real government that's governing the world and, and deciding for the whole world who lives and who dies and what next year is going to look like. We set up his government in exile. So you know, when you build a house, when do you clean it? When you're done. Last thing you do, 
And man, I've been there, you know, renovations, small renovations before. Hardest part is to clean up at the end, man, right? You clean up at the end. Don't bother to clean up before the renovations are finished or before construction's finished because it's like, you know, it's purposeless because it'll get dirty a second later, right? So everyone asks the kasha like this, but it comes from an individual, you know, from a, a selfish perspective on Rosh Hashanah. Everyone asks, it should be Yom Kippur and then Rosh Hashanah. I should be, get my kapara and clean myself up Right, be all clean, and then I could properly go out and greet Akash as my king and coronate him also with a full heart. It's a famous kasha, and there's so many terutsim. The way we're saying it right now, when you look at, you know, at, at it from a global historical perspective, right, you understand the kasha is not a kasha, because Rosh Hashanah right, is to build God's kingdom in exile. Right? You clean his palace that you built for him in exile after you finished building it. Right? So, of course, you know, we have to go through Rosh Hashanah, Sersi Meit right? constructing God's house. When it's fully built, you clean it up, and that's what Yom Kippurim is. Yom Kippur is to clean up. Right? That now that we built God's embassy on earth, you know, uh, to whoever, you know, through our... Right? You know, being Mamlechem, you clean up that Malchus, and you now make it spick span clean with Yom Kippur. So Yom Kippur is cleaning up the house. Right? All right, so and that's why Yom Kippur comes after Rosh But first, build the house. Build God's embassy, then clean it up. All right? And then we come to Sukkot. An amazing thing. So, of course, Sukkot was uh, the best when there was a base of Mikdash on earth, and it was a special halacha for those of you that they had to take lulav midoraisa all seven days. Usmachtif Nashem el kechem zechol emikdash of Yochanan ben Zakkai makes us take lulav seven days. But you know, outside of Beis Mish, it's only for the first day. You know, midoraisa. Okay, fine. Sukkis. Right. The what does Sukkis represent? So on the one hand, yeah, it, it was it was the best in the Beis Hamikdash, uh, but that's the Beis Hamikdash. What were Jews doing themselves? Right, in their private space. They were leaving their private space to go into sukkah. Now, sukkah has a duality to it. Now, it could be that you know, one of the, the meanings of sukkah, you know, uh, you, know, uh, you know, obviously one was more dominant in the days of the Beis HaMikdash, right? One of these two. But sukkah has a duality. Of course, it's, it's a temporary abode to remind us life in this world is temporary. And to remind us that, you know, well, hey, the Iker is to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Iker is the Torah. And that's the secret that it all ends with Simchas Torah. After being in a sukkah for seven days, you get real with it what life is all about. Right? And we're going to come back to that in a second. But, so, you know, yeah, even when there was a base of Mikdash on earth, you have to understand that the earthly side of Eretz Yisrael, even when we were living in Eretz Yisrael with the base of earth, the earthly side of, you know, gathering in your cross, which is what Sukkot is, you have to remember, it's all temporary, it's not the main reason we came to earth, it's not the main reason why we came to Eretz Yisrael, it's to serve God, that's the main reason, right? So it restores your perspective, but now everyone who says the Yeratza before we go out to the Sukkah, and after we leave this, you know, after we leave the sukkah, so the Yeratzon, that we're, it's called that we're going into Golis. We're leaving our house. We're leaving our house. Now, of course, we go into a higher space. Besod have a goyle Torah. Exile yourself to a place of Torah, right? Right. The uh, you know that uh, you know that you have to get out of your comfort zone. Put yourself in order to learn Torah. 
It's called to go to, to get out of your regular comfort zone to go to a higher space. But there's an aspect of gullus. There's an aspect of gullus. And so sukkah is, you know, especially in this day and age that, you know, we are in gullus, going out to sukkah, right, is going into gullus, right, and being more real to the fact that we're in gullus. And we actually say this in our prayers. So a special side that sukkah has that's particularly special for us in our day and age that we don't have a basement, so we don't have the Simchas Beis HaShoeva, we don't have the Smach of National Kechem, but we have another angle on the mitzvah of sukkah special for us and it made its way into our prayers that we're actually going into exile and we're, and that's why, it's not a contradiction, going into exile and we know that the sukkah is tzila de memenusa. You're 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 in the shadow of faith. You're close to God. We know shem shemayim is chal on the sukkah. And that's why the sukkah and and all its uh, that the objects of the sukkah and its its decorations are muksa because shem shemayim is chal on the sukkah, right? But you know it goes together. You're actually close to God because you're empathizing with Him. That the shechina is in Golis. So now you go into Golis, and that's where you meet Him. You meet Him where He is. Beside what we're going to read in this week's parasha, Right, you find God in Gauls when you cry out to Him, and that's what happens in Sukkah. Sukkah represents, even in Israel, it was about getting out of your comfort zone in Olam Azen, understanding that Olam Azen is all diras arai, right, it's all temporary, but especially for us, Sukkah is mafurish. It is a person who's high of Gauls, you know, the Sfarim say, going out to Sukkah could help him as, as if he went into Gaul. So we say that in the field that we say before going into the Sukkah. And, and, and you can understand, you see, you find God in the Sukkah because he also is in Gaul. Right? So that way, this is a, 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 a uh, you know, having a little, you know, angle on Sukkahs that, you know, reminds us, you know, of never forgetting Yerushalayim and forgetting that we're in Golis. And you know, that, that theme hangs over us during Sukkot, even when the base of Mikdash was built, right, because they had to sacrifice seven, 70 uh, bulls for the 70 umos, right? And, and when the last day of Sukkot, we're finally safe from them. They go home and we stay on for Simchas Torah, right? So there was, even when the base of Mikdash was built, there was this theme that we have to deal with the, uh, with the Goyim. We've got to deal with them. Right? right, even if they're submissive, still we've got to deal with them. We're not alone with our Kurdish Baruch Hu in our special space until Shemini Atzeres. And that's when we could go back in the house. We're invited back into the house. You know, now that we got our perspective straight. So we can have God with us even in our houses after we set our mind straight. And we mamish went into Golis physically with going into the sukkah for seven days. Then, you know, you could be, you know, after you're that real with how temporary this world is, how temporary Golis is, and how God is to be found, God is also in Golis. We met him in the sukkah. After that, you could meet him in the house also. Then comes Hanukkah. So, of course, Hanukkah is a holiday of, you know, how we had to deal with, with occupation from Goyim what we're dealing with in Golis, and Hanukkah gave us the power to withstand Golis. So how can you say that Hanukkah should make you forget about the three weeks, right? Uh, if anything, Hanukkah is that Hashkarnish uh, Baruch Hu specially caused the Greeks to come upon us, and us to overcome the Greeks a short 200 years before we went into this long and bitter Golis, because the story of Hanukkah gives us the power to withstand Golis. It was the last miracle in our history, then, and, and that Pach Hashem, and that it's not just burning, you know, it didn't just burn for you, it's still burning until this day. It's all keeping, keeping us going until Mashiach comes. Right? So, and the menorah that we light now is supposed to remind us of the menorah and the mikdash. And we are supposed to remind us that on the one hand, we, we, we 
we internalize some power from the base Hamikdash to take with us into Golis. That and that's what holds us from stops us from assimilating and adopting secular culture. We have to really check ourselves as we're hanging tight. You know, you know, Hanukkah is the holiday of drawing strength to not assimilate and not accept secular culture. All right, and uh, and and we light the menorah in our house, you know, as having a little bit of ore from the base Hamikdash. That of course should cause a person to feel a tremendous yearning to have the real menorah in the base Hamikdash. Right, and instead of just having you know leftovers from the base of Midrash that that keeps us going, in the Golas, the leftovers of that Nes Pachashem, and it should also remind us that we want not just the leftovers, we want the thing itself. And then of course there's Purim. Purim is the whole story how we got uh, we were mamish in Golas, hundred percent with a tremendous gzera lahashmi laragul abe to be totally annihilated, and we were saved. So these two Chagim, Hanukkah and Purim, are what are keeping us going in Golis. So of course we don't forget about the Golis. Right? These two Chagim are all about surviving in the Golis. And this is the whole half year that directly follows the three weeks. So, and, and you just have to reframe it that way, that it's all about you know, getting up from the three weeks, finding a way forward within Golis, drawing power within Golis, of course, with the yearning to get the hell out of Golis. And that's when Nisan comes. And Nisan, which is on the opposite side of the calendar, is all about Yitzias Mitzrayim, the actual Geula that we're yearning for. Right? And that's just like, just like you know, uh, Amisho got out of Mitzrayim on Nisan. That's also the day that the Beis HaMikdash uh, I mean, the Mishkan was erected. That's why we don't say Tachron the first uh, 12 days, right, of uh, Nisan, because it was Hanukkah Sanisim, right? So that's the month of the Geula. So when we reach Nisan, we talk and you know, hope that, you know, there's, uh, that the power of the Geula is in our midst and that we will be redeemed like they were redeemed. And, so, and, and indeed, indeed, from Nisan until Shavuos, the theme is you know, that, uh, you know, uh, national rebirth and a reacceptance of the Torah, uh, which is, you know, as we're preparing for the final Geula, right? Uh, of course, uh, we don't lose ourselves in frivolity. We have the days of the Omer in between, right? But you understand, sadly, after those 50, wonderful 50 days, not too long afterwards, you know, hits, you know, the three weeks again, right? But hopefully if we do it right this year, we do it right this year, you know, uh, Mashiach will come immediately if we're not Mashiach Das, and and it'll be and we may not even have to wait for Nisan. And by the way, did I forget about Asor Batavis that comes out in the middle of the winter, reminding us even after we had this pickup from the story of Hanukkah. You know, still we're in goals. You know, Hanukkah is not enough. It's not. You know, it doesn't make it as if we have a base of Mikdash. It's just power on loan extended from the base of Mikdash, but it's not the same, right? Okay, but you know, Rebar uh, should help. It's close to we're not Mesiach Das from the Chorbin, right? So maybe we won't even have to wait to Nisan, right? To uh, be like that Mandelma, Rabbi Shuab, Nisan Nigom, Nisan Tilly If we don't forget about the Nisan, if we just hold on to maybe even through Shabbos Nachamu, it could be Mequim immediately. Kimei Tseischa Be'eretz Mitzrayim, our Enon Niflos with the Gula Shema Tekafumiyad.